Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk news radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and my Reasonable Voice today is Katie Hornung. Katie Hornung is a campaign coordinator for Virginia's statewide nonpartisan grassroots VA Ratify ERA campaign. To ensure Virginia is the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, her passion on the, the topic stems from her own life's experiences and the interest of her two daughters in achieving constitutional equality. As a campaign manager, she leverages her professional background, which includes accounting, finance, software coding, and consulting. Her relationships with a wide variety of Virginians and a deeper understanding of historical context gained, by the way, while homeschooling her daughters. Welcome, Katie Hornung. How are you? Thank you so much. Well, you know, um, here we are, and, and I know you, among others, are claiming a new era for the ERA. So I like that because for a brief time in my life, I was actually a classroom teacher, and I really loved it. And one of the things that would come up periodically as I taught theater and drama and video and all that I would say to the, the girls in the class, you need to know this fact because, and it was all about their needing to know that they were not equal in certain things and they had to fight for that. It always surprised them, but it also excited them and inspired them. You, of course, are going miles beyond that. Tell us, how does your ERA mission relate to children? Well, I... I was just living a normal life as a mom and not really planning to be working on the Equal Rights Amendment uh, when one morning my oldest child walked into the kitchen and was outraged. Um, this particular child is always outraged with injustices and said, Mom, Thomas Jefferson didn't mean all men when he said all men are created equal, and we know he didn't mean women. Have they fixed that yet? <laughs> So I just, you know, I kind of took a deep breath and I said, oh, honey, no, we haven't fixed that yet. That's called the Equal Rights Amendment. And, you know, I was a child of the 70s, so I at least knew about it and I knew that it hadn't gotten done. 
And rather than ask me why or why not, she immediately said, well, what are we going to do about that? <laughs> yeah. so, so here we are. Fast forward a few years, and here I am um, somehow in charge of the statewide campaign. <laughs> Fantastic. I, you know, children, I just love them. We complain sometimes about why, 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 but you know, that challenges us, and they always see the possibility and don't understand why we can't see it. Anyway, tell us about see a problem, solve a problem. I love that. Well, that's been kind of a parenting mantra of mine. You know, we see all kinds of problems around us, and we just walk past them, whether Mm -hmm. it's a stray dog on the side of the road or dishes sitting on the kitchen counter. You know, we kind of become a little numb or immune, and and so I've, I've tried to teach my children to live a little bit more actively, and so that's one of the things that I like to say to them, like, if you can see the problem and if you can name it and you and you can do something about it, so go solve it. And so when my oldest was pointing this out to me and saying, what are we going to do about that? I really had to look back at that parenting mantra that I kept, and I do say it to them frequently, like, mm-hmm. see that problem? Go ahead and solve that problem. Mm-hmm. You don't need somebody else to solve it for you. Let's just go ahead and do it. And when she was pointing that out to me, I was in that position of, okay, I see the problem. <laughs> How are we going to solve it? Hmm. And so we, we mostly just got involved from a support perspective at first. I called one of the leaders in the movement, Eileen Davis, mm-hmm. and you know knew that she had been doing a lot in the area, and you know we just kind of showed up for a while, and that grew into more involvement. My oldest eventually came up with the uh, campaign slogan, kind of the sub-campaign slogan that we used in the 2018 session, not one more gen eration because with those clear eyes she saw the word era or the acronym era in the word generation and it was just genius so yes that's kind of how we started our ascent into doing more and more well she is both a standard bearer for era and making us see what we need to be doing she really sounds like an amazing human being Tell us, VA Ratify ERA and equal means equal, have recently launched this uh, Ice Cream for Equality Ice Cream Tour around Virginia. Tell us about that. Well, we thought it would be fun to play on the ice cream, you scream, we all scream for equality instead of for ice cream. But we do actually have ice cream on our ice cream for equality truck. We have rented a big passenger van, and we have a a big freezer in the back, and we're really going to a lot of college campuses and to women-owned businesses or just a busy spot um, in in a a, town or, or city, and really just trying to connect with all of the voters out there. Many, many people do not realize that the gender equality that should be in our Constitution is not there yet. Mm-hmm. We are the only major nation with a written Constitution that does not include explicitly gender equity in our Constitution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we have a lot to, you know, resolve here because we can't say that we're the standard and everybody else should live up to our best ideals if we aren't even putting our own best ideals into the Constitution. So we believe equality is a really... It's a very visceral base level value that people want more than anything. In 2018, December of 2018, leading into this past General Assembly session, the Wazen Center for Public Policy did a poll, and in Virginia, 81% of people supported the ratification of Virginia's ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment, and that was more than the percentage of people who wanted a tax refund. Wow. So. I like to point that out as that's how base level this value is, is people want equality more than they even want money. So that's where 
we just believe we just have to keep putting it in front of people, make sure that everybody knows that it's not done yet and that our elected representatives are the ones who will be the ones to ratify it. And mm-hmm. it's really important that everybody shows up in November. Our delegates and our senators at the state level have a ton of control over our daily lives. And in this opportunity, they have an amazing historical opportunity to amend our Constitution. Mm. All right. So the Commonwealth of Virginia. And of course, we're talking about the General Assembly in Richmond, Virginia, House of Delegates and the State Senate has certainly uh, locked horns many times in the past uh, over the Equal Rights Amendment. What is making you think this time will be any different? Well, we feel confident in the Senate. Our Senate has passed it six times since 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, We feel confident that whoever is in charge of the Senate, that the um, Senate will ratify the Equal Rights Amendment in Virginia. Um, Our House of Delegates, since 1972, when the ERA first came out to the states, had never, ever taken a single vote on the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, Mm -hmm. It had always gotten hung up in committee. We pushed it really hard this past session, and we fell short of just one vote, so we were right there on the edge. And we kind of feel like if we can push it from no vote to just one vote short, then hopefully next year we can push it over the top. There is a vote this November 5th that every single Senate and every single delegate seat is up for election. And with the court systems undoing the racially gerrymandered unconstitutional districts for the House of Delegates, we believe this has the best opportunity for the voice of the people to end the obstruction in the House of Delegates. You know, I do have a home in Virginia. I'm not often there, but I'm there enough to love Virginia, that's for certain. I just wonder, um, I had no idea that the entire, did you say the entire House of Delegates is up for a re-election? Yes, sir. A hundred seats in the House and 40 seats in the Senate. So that includes, for instance, Speaker Kirk Cox and and Privileges and Elections Committee Chairman Mark Cole? It does, yep. Okay, well, that's interesting, I have to say. I do vote in Virginia, so I certainly won't miss that one. You brought up the, the 1970s date, and I just wonder, how does... VA ratify ERA and equal means of equal for that matter. How do you and and all your friends like Eileen Davis, who's been on the show, is a good friend of mine, as a matter of fact. How do you get around this? Uh, those who believe, I know you've sent me something, uh, even a recent newspaper article that points out yet again. We've both heard this many times that the deadline for ratification for the, the 38th state to finally vote to ratify and therefore the Constitution would be amended. I guess we should take a moment and explain how the Constitution gets amended and why it takes so long. But, but let's start with the deadline has passed. How do you deal with that, especially with the current conservative-leaning U.S. Supreme Court? Let's put it that way. What are your thoughts? That's a, that's three questions in one, I know. But take your time. <laughs> yeah. So the, the deadline was originally set for 1979 and then was extended to 1982. Um, it's an interesting situation with the Equal Rights Amendment because the deadline is not in the actual amendment text itself. Therefore, as each state ratifies, it is not in any way acknowledging or affirming that deadline. It's in kind of a text that's outside of the amendment text itself. All the other amendments that have deadlines that are in the Constitution, the deadline was in the amendment text itself, Mm -hmm. and therefore impossible to change. This amendment language um, included the deadline in the um, preamble, so it has been changed once before. 
there's a whole conversation about Congress has the ultimate authority over the amendment process and therefore could also just remove the deadline today. However, I take a more conservative perspective. Um, I grew up in a very conservative household, as did my husband, and from my conservative reading of things, Article 5 is very specific, and it says, after three-quarters of the states ratify an amendment, it shall be added to the Constitution. And shall is a very special legal word. It doesn't mean maybe, and it Mm. doesn't mean if we feel like it. It means it shall be done. So we kind of, we, you know, we had the testimony of Kathleen Sullivan, who used to be the dean of Harvard Law School, mm-hmm. and her testimony, I think it was on April 30th of this year, uh, her testimony included, hey, this is Article 5, it says shall. In addition, there weren't even any deadlines until the 20th century, and then other people will throw out, oh, well, there's also rescissions, and there are answers to all of these legal issues and the answer is in every single situation is there's no precedent to you know keeping a fully ratified constitutional amendment out of the constitution there's no precedent for um, paying any attention to rescissions we have three amendments in the constitution the 14th the 15th and the 19th that all included states trying to rescind their ratification and those ratifications were counted towards the three quarters so basically you know spoiler alert (laughs) all of the issues don't have to be issues I see them more as things that people like to hang their hat on because they don't want to talk about the fact that they either don't believe women are equal or they have some strange reading of I'm not sure what um, and and they are uncomfortable with the idea of putting forward women as equals. There is an important conversation to be had in this country, which is why are we the only major country that is having a hard time stating this in our Constitution? Our own State Department asked Afghanistan to put this statement in their constitution. Yes. So, you know, we have to start holding ourselves accountable for the world and the change that we want to be. And, and so, you know, we just keep pushing the facts and we keep pushing the values. And we believe that uh, 2020 should be our year. Yes. The only argument against the Equal Rights Amendment is that you don't feel women are equal. No matter how they color it, or or like the article you sent me, sounded like a pompous male trying to show how smart he was, it boils down to that. You either think equal means equal, you either think all people, regardless of their political persuasion, their uh, sexual persuasion, their race, their creed, their, their heritage, all of that, their gender, you either feel in America, at least, we are equal under law and deserve that, or you don't. And how do you, how do you love America and claim you know all of these wonderful things that we are for the most part? We try to be anyway, and yet think that some Americans don't deserve the equality with you. How, how does one do that? It's not a rhetorical question. What 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 do you when you hear those kinds of arguments? What do you say to people? Well, I used to rebut point by point the ridiculousness coming out of their mouth. Mm. Um, You know, they would say things like, oh, well, I'm really concerned that we're going to draft pregnant women, or I'm really concerned, you know, and and they would always, they would just throw up silly thing after silly thing. And I would spend an hour with a, a lawmaker trying to make sure that every fact that they thought was a fact is, and that I knew to be really just a misconstrued myth, you know, I would really spend that time with them. Last session, we stopped doing that because what I realized is you're not going to convince somebody of something that they don't want to believe in. You can ask people questions and get them to you know, really work through their own mind and their own heart, and maybe some people will come over. But the reality is we have the support 
of 100% of the Dems in the Virginia House and Senate Mm -hmm. and about a third of the Republicans in Mm -hmm. both the House and the Senate. And we just had a situation where it was House leadership making sure it didn't hit the floor. Mm -hmm. So, and, and some of that support is, you know, they had their name on the, on the legislation. We knew we had the votes. We definitely had a majority of everybody. And some of that support was a little quieter where, you know, one Republican was kind of counting votes behind the scene and his numbers and my numbers added up to about the same. So, We feel comfortable saying the vast majority of Virginians agree with getting this done, and even a two-thirds majority, roughly, in both the House and the Senate agree with getting it done, just for some reason, and, you know, whatever whatever their actual motivating factor, whether it's coming from, you know, a a higher-up source, whether it's coming from a, a particular special interest group, or whether it's coming from just a deeply held, you know, kind of patriarchal belief, Whatever that is, they wouldn't let it go to the floor. I, you know, we we pushed, we pushed, we pushed, yes. <laughs> and we now have everyone on the record of whether or not you're essentially. I mean, are you there and are you representing your constituents? Yes. Because the majority really want this done, and I've, I, you know, like I said, I'm from a conservative background. I know that this is actually quite popular amongst many Republicans in Virginia, and I know plenty of Republican women that were really upset that this didn't get done, Mm. and I think that there will probably be some accountability at the ballot box in November 5th. Well, we certainly hope so. We are going to take a break now. We are talking to Katie Hornung, who is the campaign coordinator for Virginia's statewide nonpartisan grassroots VA Ratify ERA campaign to ensure Virginia is the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, enjoy Watchfire music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Tear it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got tear it up. Break it down and start it again. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk News Radio Program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Katie Hornung. Katie is the campaign coordinator for Virginia's statewide nonpartisan grassroots VA, as in Virginia, Ratify ERA, 
as an Equal Rights Amendment campaign to ensure Virginia is the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. So, Katie, when you encounter people who don't realize gender equality, when I talk to women in particular, but men do, give me the same sort of blank stare, and so much is going on in people's lives, but what I get is, but they have the right to vote. That's what I get from men. And therefore, I guess, to finish that sentence for them, why do they need to be equal? They have a right to vote. What do you say to that? Well, I would say that the most important thing for any society is to treat people fairly, justly, and equally. Mm -hmm. And we can't have... You know, women are actually the majority yes. of America. Yes. Um, so we're not a small minority group, but throughout history, um, you know, women, our whole legal system is predicated on the original women are chattel. And you didn't own property, your husband or your father owned property, and you were part of his property. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot to undo in our, you know, journey towards true equality as a society. And we also have a fair ways to go still. I know that I've had more opportunity than my mother and my grandmothers, but at the same time, I want far more for my children. I want them to be just treated very equally by a society that highly values every citizen. And part of that is that society making a bold statement, which really in the year 2019 shouldn't be that hard a statement to make. Mm, yes. But let's write us into the Constitution. If we have nine-year-old girls growing up realizing they were historically excluded on purpose mm -hmm. and that nobody's ever done anything to fix that, what what kind of a society are we raising these children in? Yes. So, you know, when, when my own kid is figuring that out at age nine or ten from her history and her government civic stuff, that's the environment we have today. We have more equality in our day-to-day -day lives than we had, say, 30, 50, 100 years ago, but we still haven't fixed the underlying document, and that plays out in courtrooms. It is very hard to win a sex discrimination case in comparison to winning a racial, religious, or country of origin discrimination case. We have two different standards for the, it's called judicial scrutiny. There's strict scrutiny and intermediate scrutiny. And strict scrutiny is given to the, um, the suspect classes, I think is the right phrase that mm -hmm. the lawyers use, from the 14th Amendment for race, religion, and country of origin. And usually women, a sex discrimination case is being treated with intermediate scrutiny, which means it's easier for the government to discriminate against women than it is for them to discriminate against, uh, you know, a minority group or religious group or whatever. Mm. And we just, we can't stand for that as a society. Yes. And we need to get back to where this is not a political or partisan issue. This is the right thing to do. This is a base, just issue. Like, let's just go ahead and get it done. Exactly. And I'd like to point out also that while women enjoy a great deal of what appears to be equality, the kinds of things you're talking about permeate our society. And just to remember that women are still, constitutionally anyway, that second-class citizen, many other minorities have been in the past. And that's something to consider. But also medical treatment. I remember in my lifetime, in the 70s, when the Equal Rights Amendment was passed by Congress, I knew a woman who was in a show I was directing, and her husband, and she and her husband had gotten divorced, and she, boom, just like that, lost the credit cards. They were in both names, but she lost them. And why? I had to call up for her, and that was when I learned, well, it's because she's a woman. The lady said that to me on the phone. That's why she lost her credit cards. So anyway... 
Any specific things you want to tell us about the the medical profession and how the standards are different for men and women? Uh, well, so on average, all of the studies are conducted on men because women's physiology is, quote-unquote, too complicated. And so that means that we're testing drugs um, or procedures or whatever on men and making it, you know, that this is going to be, it's going to be meet the standard, the male standard. And we don't know what it's going to do with women's bodies yes. until it gets out into the you know, marketplace and then we start to find out. If we had the Equal Rights Amendment in our Constitution, a lot of that testing, you know, these are things that CDC, NIH, you know, these are government bodies. Mm -hmm. And so the Constitution only impacts government action. And we think that very immediately you would start to see pieces falling into place where they will start making sure that they're checking, you know, this for men and this for women, not mm -hmm. just we're going to use men as our test base and then women, we hope it works for you. <laughs> I know, and, it's, and that's true. That last statement is absolutely true. When I was told that by a doctor, I just, you know, I mean, I took care of my mother and I wondered what on earth is going on. Anyway, all right, we do want to talk about Ice Cream for Equality. Tell us about that and when it's happening and how do we find out about our vote, registration, all of that. So the, um, the Ice Cream for Equality tour launched on Women's Equality Day, which is August 26th, and it will be going around the state through November 5th. We have the schedule as you know, continually updated um, as, you know, everything's volunteer, so we put things out as soon as we can, but because things are volunteer and we don't have a, a team sitting around paid for eight hours a day, it's a little bit less planned up until, you know, maybe three, four, or five days before the event. Um, but we know roughly where the van's going to be at different times, and people can go to our website, varatifyera.org. And at the very top of that, um, there's an Ice Cream for Equality link, and you can click that link and see the schedule. People can volunteer. This is a very grassroots, available-to-everyone sort of moment. We yes. have a paid driver um, on the van every day, but all of the volunteers shift day-to-day. -day. It's really intended to be fun. It's fun. It's educational. It's outreach. We're out there talking with just day-to-day -day Virginians who may or may not know about the Equal Rights Amendment and who may or may not know about November 5th. And so on the side of the van, we do have a number for people to text. They can text actually anything, but we tell them to text my vote. Mm -hmm. We tell them to text to that number to check their registration, and they can register. It'll send them a link to their cell phone. So you can check it. You can register. Uh, we, we are not, because we don't know who's on the van every single day, we are not necessarily registering anybody ourselves mm -hmm. um, unless we have somebody who's trained as a registrar, and, um, and then they would be doing usually like a League of Women Voters sort of volunteer. Yes. Um, we do have some of the next-gen volunteers have been showing up at our ice cream stops, and so they will register people as well. But we on the tour, we're just pointing people to the website and to that text number to get a link right onto their cell phone. It's been pretty fun. I mean, I've been surprised at how many people are not registered. I was definitely brought up that this, like, you have one job as a citizen, yes. and it's to show up. <laughs> so, I you know, we've been surprised. Clearly, as you say, you were brought up in a conservative home. My parents were very liberal. And here we are talking about this same issue, gender equality. And we haven't even mentioned pay equality yet. I think the important thing that I would say is that while it's assumed it can be changed by any employer, employee, or any uh, person in Congress, once it's in the Constitution, however, then it is something that guarantees it is law. 
So what do you say to people, who, especially women, but men do, what do you say to people who do not vote, who do not accept that privilege? Yeah, we really encourage them to think about why they're not voting. And for some of them, they say, I mean, we've, we've heard this very specifically, I don't see anybody like me there anyway. Mm. That It's not for me. That doesn't represent me. And that you especially will see that um, or hear that from, from young people, usually more than older people. Mm. Um, so I'm sure some of that is age, but I know that some of that is also can be race or religion um, or gender. So we have been having some great conversations and pointing out to them, well, if you're in this district, you know, here's who, you know, we're not... Some of these conversations are had at the van. On the van, we are completely nonpartisan. We don't even talk about who's running. We just talk about the issue and about getting registered to vote. But when we're out canvassing, if we're having a conversation like that, we can talk about, well, in this race, you know, in this district, here's who is running against this person. And this person does indeed look like you, and you could have a voice in this process. And that democracy only works with all of us. We yes. all have to be involved in democracy. And, you know, honestly, I, I think if one of the things we do is we just turn out more voters, even though we will probably turn out some voters against our issue and some voters for our issue, mm. I can rest at peace more easily if all of us are showing up and the will of the majority is what's being done. Exactly. Tell us again that 804 number that's on the side of your van. Yeah, so you would just text the words, my vote, to 804-375-4421. And especially with students, they move a lot and their districts shift a little, their polling place might shift. Uh, you want to just check your registration. Virginia has a vote every single year in yes. November. It's, it's a very unique state that way. Um, and so just keeping up and, and te texting this number, um, checking your registration is something that we should just, you know, we should get in the pattern of just make sure that you can exercise your one big civic duty every year. Tell me, uh, how does one find out where can one go online or wherever to find out what members of the House of Delegates in the Commonwealth of Virginia, General Assembly, House of Delegates in particular, who have obstructed the vote on the Equal Rights Amendment so that we can vote for someone else if we so choose? Yeah, so the um, on, on the General Assembly, they have something called the LIS, uh, the Legislative Information System, and you can look up uh, specifically who voted, or you can also look on our website where we have put last year's vote out there. So just kind of, you know, digging around just a little bit, you need to know what district you're in, and we find that, you know, people barely know who represents them in Congress on average, and they definitely don't realize who's representing them on, in the, at the state level on average. Even people who vote may not remember the person's name. Um, oh, wow. And so there's a great website called whosmy.virginiageneralassembly.gov, and you can just put in your address and figure out who's your legislator. It'll tell you your senators, your representative, and then your state senator and your state delegate. Could you give us that last website one more time? Sure. It's whosmy.virginiageneralassembly.gov. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, VA ratify ERA, and equal means equal, and uh, ice cream for equality, an ice cream truck tour, van tour around the Commonwealth of Virginia. We've talked about a great deal. And of course, if our Virginia General Assembly votes as the 38th state to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, we will have made history. Yes? 
Absolutely. And for too long, Virginia has been on the wrong side of history. We voted against the 14th Amendment. We voted against the women's right to vote. We voted against uh, interracial marriage. It is time for this state to step into the future and to do the right thing. It would be a really great and exciting moment for all of us. And your particular challenge, I'm assuming, uh, well, let's say my gauntlet. I'm throwing down the gauntlet at our youth, anybody under 40 years old. What do you tell them? Because I didn't realize, and I love history, but I had forgotten the, the list of things that Virginia has not voted for. If you could remind us of that list again, I want everyone, especially those under 40, male or female, to hear this. Virginia has not voted for... So we were not one of the states to ratify the 14th Amendment, which was about racial equity. We were not one of the states to ratify the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. We didn't, it was the law of the land since 1920, and Virginia finally ratified in 1952. Um, and then we were on the wrong side on the Loving v. Virginia case on um, interracial marriage. We were on the wrong side of the VMI case, keeping women out of VMI. Virginia has, in the past, made some very poor choices around the words equality and equity for citizens. And we feel like Virginia is on the cusp of stepping forward and becoming the future, the future of Virginia that can lead the whole country forward. We can all do something together. It can be a good feel-good moment for everybody. And we can show the kids what we want the world to be for them. Excellent. VARatifyERA.org and hashtag Ice Cream for Equality, the ice cream tour around the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you so very much, Katie Hornin, for being uh, on our show today. I mean, it's been an amazing conversation and full of education and information that we all need, regardless of where we live, even. This is an American issue. It's a grassroots issue. It's a conservative, independent, and liberal and progressive issue because it's a human issue. It's a citizenship issue. Yes? Absolutely, and thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you, too, Katie. All the best in all you're doing. Okay? Thank you. Bye now. Bye. And now, This Land is Your Land, from the film Up in the Air, available on Spotify and Apple Music, performed by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. This land is your land
Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Women, children, and climate first. Regardless of what conservative Republicans or their Mercer Coke updates of rich Uncle Pennybags proclaim, life on earth is diminished by manufacturers from mustard gas to e-cigarettes and opiates, by America's greatest generation, by baby boomers, over-consumerism, and, with or without their heads buried in the concrete of Wall Street glittering sand, all who pay more attention to social media likes than the climate calamity fossil fuels, oil, and gas producers have bequeathed our children. Most human inhabitants of Earth perceive individual survival as undeniably enhanced by make-just-someone-happy procreation that leaves a better world for those who follow, perhaps thinking, then my life shall not be in vain. However, images of Mars dancing in the heads of some at the top of the food chain increase sales of doomsday bunkers in New Zealand, believing, like our 45th, the grass will forever be greener in Greenland. Albeit revisionist descendants of America's gilded age of robber barons and captains of industries, democratizing of slavery between our Civil War and World War I, continues today in the subjugation of women, ignoring children, and oppressing the have-nots of every color, race, and creed. 
America's been a nation of gentlemen revering women and protecting children is arguably second only to the lies from Trump family malfeasances, the greatest dishonesty Americans have self-inflicted. Okay, Trump did not cause climate change, nor the death of three billion birds since 1950. But his America First MAGA, his lying to coal miners, his caging of refugees, trading off livelihood of farmers, betraying NATO alliance, purchasing women for twisted misogyny, rewarding wealthiest tax cuts, allowing more insecticides that kill bees, refusing to allow states to limit car emissions while sending troops to protect murderous oil suppliers. His disdaining human life in less fortunate countries, most recently anti-Paul Manafort Ukrainians, his deserting military school children to wall out Mexico, his castrating congressional oversight, and his decapitating our executive branch with unconfirmed acting heads and a lackey attorney general ignoring America's rule of law. Pence, McConnell, and Trump have proven they are the least likely to do anything about gun violence, mass shootings, female constitutional equality, and climate change threatening our children's future, but increasingly support the real possibility that they are a treasonous trio threat to the United States of America they swore to preserve, protect, and defend. Now we can continue color-coding each other, thinking Trump will rationally embrace the patriotism of a peaceful transfer of presidential power after amassing tens of thousands of worshippers who believe the Second Amendment is his second coming divine permission to stock their cellars with weapons of mass destruction. Not to mention, Trump could lose by five million votes and still win in 2020. Or, like Greta Thunberg, we could practice a child shall lead them. The failure is not in our founders, nor just embedded in Republican governors, state legislatures, and U.S. senators confirming silence is consent. It lives also in we, the over-40 crowd, who've forgotten it's not what we fight against, but who we fight for that saves us all. 22 September 1862, Lincoln issued Emancipation Proclamation. 21 January 2017, unprecedented numbers joined the Women's March. 6 November 2018, women resurrected our House of Representatives. 20 September 2019, millions merged in youth-led climate strike marches in 150 countries. So now might be a good time to distinguish ourselves from Trump's clan deserting Earth's stewardship. 1. Brush up your Shakespeare. 2. Transfer earbud hearing damaging disconnect with subliminal brain power waves. 3. Watch more climate change, political, cultural, and historical documentaries for game-changing guidance. 4. Google ancient scribes and anonymous proverbs instead of expecting answers from politicians and Snapchat. Answers before our very eyes as simple as this. From my father and I watching old movies on black and white TV, I absorbed the truth of Behind Every Great Man is a Great Woman. Living with a soap opera writer and her precocious 16-year-old reinforced my faith in Always Listen to the Children. This is no kumbaya message. This is suppressed humanity unearthed by the power of women and children first. Now the next time you hear one person, one vote can't make a difference, remind people of Rosa Parks, Maya Angelou, Malala, 
Emma Gonzalez, Koki Roberts, Elizabeth Warren, and Zero Hour founder Jamie Magolin. Listen, the truth is, it may be too late to completely reverse the already visible coming onslaught resulting from climate change deniers. But as 20-something executive producer of The Age of Consequences said to me, while we can't yet imagine what can be done to save us from abrupt climate change, every potential calamity faced by humankind was faced not knowing how we would conquer it until we did. We all know America's exceptional power isn't found in murderous handheld weapons, but in thought-provoking daydreams of safe environments, filled with the courage to share this heartfelt vision with all life on earth, dedicating every precious moment of time in harmony with each other, pursuing a life of excellence. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.